But I uh, hope you're doing well this morning. Um, <clears throat> as you can tell, we've got a little whiteboard. We're going to do something a little bit different this morning. And um, part of why we're going to go this direction, uh, if you remember just a few weeks back, I talked on the feeding of the 9,000. We talked about three or four little implications related to the idea that Jesus fed 5,000, and then again he fed 4,000, and what did that mean for us, and what are the ways in which we often forget uh, God's movement in our life? We kind of just leave it in the past, and what are the ways we uh, continue to move forward? Um, So I'm excited because there was this little insight that as I was studying, I felt like, man, I need to to share that, and so that's what we're doing this morning. Um, Before we get into the text... I'm going to ask you a simple question. We're going to see if, uh, if you can figure out the answer uh, to three random things and what their connection is to one another, okay? So, first thing, what, do, what does this dress, you guys remember that dress? You guys remember that dress, right? Yeah? Okay, it's one of the most famous dresses. I didn't even know, I needed to find a picture and I typed in dress that and then Google filled in the rest, which is broke the internet, right? So, this is that dress. Uh, so, uh, what is this dress, this movie, or a little film clip? How many of you know Chewbacca Mom? Yeah, Chewbacca Mom. If you do not know Chewbacca Mom, just look it up on YouTube, and it will take you to this uh, very nice lady in a mask, and uh, she'll take care of the rest, okay? So, Chewbacca Mom, what do those two things and this song have in common? Right? You guys know what song I'm talking about, right? Some of you are even dancing. Excellent. So the question is, what do those three things have in common? Any guesses? Somebody, I heard it. They all went viral. They all went viral. Completely went viral. Has it ever dawned on you to ask the question, what causes something to go viral? Why, why do we see a dress and then it sweeps across? across the collective conscience of society for months at a time? Why do we see a little video and just feel compelled to share it, to pass it on, to have someone else look at it? What are the conditions necessary for something to go Gangnam style, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, what all is necessary for something to go completely viral? I have uh, been thinking about that a bit lately, And uh, so I started asking some people, I started looking up online, what are the conditions necessary for something to go viral? And I'm going to give you a couple of the conditions. This is not a complete exhaustive study, but uh, these are some of the ones that are most frequently seen as uh, being the factors or the conditions necessary for something to go viral. Number one, just plain luck. It's just random, it's luck, it's an accident, Uh, there's no... A specific reason why it happens, it just happens. That's one option. The second one is this, that people, or that something going viral requires personal or emotional connection. That all of us, that if there's something that goes viral, it's usually because it's connected with us in some way. We had an initial reaction to it. Maybe it was awe-inspiring, like the double rainbow. Maybe it was real positive, something you got excited about, something that, uh, that r- really like, connected with you in some way, something you found surprising, like it caught you off guard and so you wanted to share it. But at the core, 
there had to be a strong emotional connection with whatever it is that was passed on to the next person and then to the next person and then to the next person. The third reason that I'll share with you this morning is this. There's a quote that says, people do not share brochures, they share stories. Have you heard that quote before? The idea behind it is simply this. We don't like to share information with one another as much as we like to share stories. We love in some way to be connected to somebody else's story and to realize it could be a shared story with our own. In fact, we often like to share stories the most that are about ourselves. It sounds a bit selfish. But the idea is that if there's some story that we are tied to, something that in some way we want to connect with someone else, that we share that story, and then we as people are collectively captivated by the story. And so then, in turn, we have an emotional connection, a personal connection that our story somehow relates, and so then we want to share that on to somebody else. And then those are the ways in which things begin to go viral. Now, what I want you to do is just keep that idea in mind as we look at the text. We're going to be in the book of Mark, and we're going to not have verses on the screen, so it's actually going to require for you to turn to the text. So if you would, turn with me uh, to the book of Mark, or hit one or two buttons on your phone and get to Mark chapter 4. And uh, we're going to look, we're going to walk through a little section of Scripture and try to point out uh, something based on the sequence of stories. So this, like I said, is a little bit of a different approach than we typically take. We're going to look at something based on the sequence of stories. So Mark chapter 4. And to help uh, with our understanding, I am going to uh, draw a little bit on the screen uh, right here. And so I am just warning, horrible drawer. Okay, I wish I had flannel graphs or something. You know, I could just put up some stickies and we'd have it all solved. But I think you're going to get the basic idea. Uh, by what I'm trying to draw. Okay? So this is the Sea of Galilee. Okay? Everyone tracking? It kind of looks like Africa at this point, but um, it's the sea. Okay? Just track with me. A couple waves to make it a little more appropriate. Okay? Um, Now, here's the interesting thing about kind of the layout of the land in Israel. I Growing up, there were maps in the back of my Bible. How many of you had maps in the back of your Bible growing up? Yeah. And I was like, man, this is a waste of space. We would rip them out. There, there's no point to even having a map in the back, right? Now, I understand, while I still probably am like, ah, maps in the back, who cares? There are significant uh, points to why we have maps, okay? And this would be one of them. So over on this side is uh, the region of Galilee, right? So Jesus spends most of his time on this side of the sea, hanging out. This area is predominantly Jewish, right? All of his friends and family are from here. This is like the whole section of Galilee. Everybody's spending time. This is where Jesus is like moving, walking, eating, getting to know people, growing up, having a carpentry business. All of that stuff is happening primarily on this side. Now, there's a couple other regions, but one of the regions is the Decapolis, which really is about 10 cities, right? And there's a region that has 10 different cities, and this area is primarily Gentile, okay? So almost everybody living in that area is predominantly Gentile. It's a section of about 10 cities that are all kind of together, and it's a region. 
And uh, Jesus spent most of his time here and occasionally visited here. And you're going to see a little sequence that I think is pretty interesting, at least from my perspective. If you're in the book of Mark, chapter 4, look at verse 35. In verse 35, what you have is you have Jesus down in this region, and he gets in a little boat, and he gets into the sea with all of his disciples. They had been doing some ministry together. They're a little bit tired. Uh, They're like, hey, let's press off from land and let's start to be on our way. If you look at verse 35, it says, uh, evening he come, and Jesus says, let's go across to the other side. Now, at this point, there's a, a massive storm that comes. You guys are familiar with the story. You're familiar with all of these stories, I assume. And Jesus uh, calms the storm. So everything's swirling. Uh, the, the, the expert fishermen that are the disciples get freaked out. Jesus is asleep, and he just goes, hey, wakes up, calms the storm. Everything's good. And then what happens is they go to the other side. So you have them travel right over to this region. Okay? Now, from everything that we have recorded, this is the first time Jesus is in this region that we're aware of. So he drops into the land. He pulls the boat up on shore. And what's the first thing that happens? Look at chapter 5, verse 1. They came to the other side. And Jesus stepped out of the boat, and he was immediately met by the demon-possessed man. So immediately, his first interaction with the Gentiles over here is a, a crazy man. The guy's going nuts. He comes out. He's cutting himself. He's naked. The text says that he runs out. He's kind of like yelling at Jesus, yelling at the disciples. There's all this stir and commotion going on. And the text tells us that Jesus meets him at this space. The man is as wild as can be. And uh, Jesus sees, starts to have a conversation with him. The man says, my name is Legion, because basically there's like a legion of demons within me. Jesus sees some pigs. I'm not going to draw any. And um, he sends all of the, the demons into the pigs. The pigs rush into the water. They all drown. All the people are freaking out. They come back to Jesus. So like all the townspeople leave, they grab other townspeople, they come back. And the text says this right near the end of the story. Uh, Verse 16. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. Verse 17. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. So they're, they're freaked out. They're, they're saddened. They just lost their entire commercial business. Pig farming business goes kaput. They've lost, in, uh, economy's been um, damaged. They're freaked out. They're nervous. What happened? They hadn't seen anything like this before. They come back, and when they come back, they hear about this story, and the text says that they see the demon-possessed man sitting there, clothed, and in his right mind. So before, naked, screaming, going crazy, demon-possessed. Now, sitting, clothed, and in his right mind. Complete reversal. In verse 17, they say, go away. We don't want you here. They beg Jesus to depart. 
They didn't want anything to do with the good news. They didn't want anything to do with Jesus. There was a fear of him. In verse uh, 17, or verse 19, says this, or uh, 18, excuse me. And he was getting into the boat, and the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him, that he might go with Jesus. And he did not permit him, but said to him, so Jesus says to the man, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Now, typically, when Jesus comes to a man, or when the man comes to Jesus and says, let me go with you, Jesus has a couple responses. Usually he says, follow me. It's one option. Option number two, and you see this over and over in the scriptures, he goes, hey, uh, don't tell anyone. Just keep it quiet. It's between us. Don't tell anyone. This time, which is different than almost every other time, he says, I want you to go to your friends. I want you to tell them about what happened to you and the mercy that I showed you. And the text says right after that, And he went away and began to proclaim how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. Okay? So the man, we see, begins to do what Jesus said. Then, if you look at the next verse, Jesus gets back in the boat, goes to the other side. Okay? We find ourselves a little bit later. uh, He heals Jairus' daughter. He's uh, moving from thing to thing. We see him send out the apostles way into chapter 6. Uh, we see the death of John the Baptist. All of that is taking place over here. And then at one point, he feeds 5,000. We talked about this the other day. That would have been somewhere between eighteen to 20,000 people that he feeds men, women, and children. Amazing miracle. The text says from there, he does a couple other little trips. He gets back in the boat, goes here. He does some teaching. He gets back in the boat. Uh, and then there's a period where Jesus then walks on water. All of that's happening in this space, going from thing to thing. If you look at the text, he uh, feeds the 5,000. Then at the end of chapter 6, he walks on water. Then he does another healing. We get into chapter 7. He does some teaching. Now we'll go down to chapter 7, verse 31. And it says this that Jesus got back in the boat and he crossed over to the other side. He's back. Okay? From everything we understand, this is his first time back. Jesus is here, heals one man, kills a bunch of pigs, leaves. He's gone for months. Okay? Not very many, but a few months. And then comes back to where he was before. And we pick up in verse 31, and it says this. Uh, He crosses over to the other side, verse 32. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged Jesus to lay his hand on him. And then taking him aside from the crowd, put his fingers in his ears, he spit, and then he asked the man to speak for his voice to be open, for his ears to be open, for him to be able to communicate. And verse 35 says, And his ears were opened, and his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And then Jesus did this. He charged them to tell no one. So he's with this little group of people. Don't tell anybody I did this, right? But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. 
verse 37. And they were astonished beyond measure. First thing, they were absolutely blown away. They see him heal a deaf man. The man's able to speak. The man's able to hear. They're astonished. Next phrase. He, and they said this, he has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. He's done all things well. How do they know that? What other things are they referring to? There's one thing they're referring to. And they're saying, now he healed the deaf. He does everything well. Everything's amazing. This little group of people have come to the shore to meet Jesus. But before we kind of go, oh, that's really cool. There's a group of a few people who heard about the story of Jesus and everything's great. They're astonished at his work. They're captivated by it. What's the next story? In those days, a great crowd had gathered. Four thousand, which means somewhere between fifteen to eighteen thousand. So here's my question: How can in chapter five, verse seventeen, chapter five, verse seventeen, get out of here, Jesus? We don't want you around. We don't want anything to do with the good news. You're frightening us. You killed our pigs. Go. Okay? Chapter 5. Chapter 8, he comes back. First time back. Only person in this region that we know that knows the gospel is one person, a demon-possessed man, who was crazy and now is in his right mind. Jesus shows up. He heals a deaf person. They say he does everything well. Next scene, 18,000 people sitting there waiting to be fed. 18,000 people that want to hear about Jesus. How? How'd that happen? Yeah, how does something go viral like that? How does the gospel go viral like that? How can you go from in your neighborhood, in your school, in your place of employment, how do you go from you being the only one that knows to everybody knowing? How? I'm going to propose, like I did at the very beginning, that there might be some conditions involved that made this story possible. First condition, luck. I'm going to say that's probably not the one. Okay? There were two other conditions I mentioned that I think beg us to ask questions. The first one is this. It requires an emotional connection. It requires an emotional connection. So here's my question. Has the story of Jesus emotionally connected with you? Has it ever radically altered your life? Does the life and work and testimony of Jesus ever change you completely from the inside out so that you went from someone who would have been considered not normal, not like out of your mind to being someone clothed and in their right mind. To go from the extreme of, I knew nothing of who Jesus was, to I'm radically changed by the good news of Jesus Christ. Has it emotionally connected with you in that way? Are you changed? Are you different? Has it moved inside of you in some profound way? Has it radically altered your life? 
But it begs us to ask the second question as well. People do not share brochures, they share stories. They don't share brochures, they share stories. So my question is this. The story of Jesus and its emotional connection with you. Who are you sharing that with? Who have you told lately? Have you been so captivated by God's movement in your life that you couldn't help but say it to somebody else? Not in a brochure form, not handing out a track, but simply saying, my life is changed. Let me tell you the story. Who are you sharing it with? See, I think we have this misconception that what I'm supposed to do is be changed by Jesus and then go out and tell anyone that I cross. Going down, I'm at the mall. Hey, let me tell you a story. Hey, person, you're checking me out from the, 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 you know, the line. We're going through, getting groceries. Hey, let me tell you a story. I don't think it works that way. Why did this happen? Why did this spread so quickly? I would argue that it was simply this. The man was in proximity with other people. He had friends. He had relationships. He didn't go out of his way to share this story up in this region. He simply shared it with everyone he already knew. He simply said, you remember who I was before. And this is what's happened. He shared it in his place of employment. Probably shared it at the cafe. Probably shared it at work school, at home, wherever it is. He just shared it with his friends, his family, connected to people. And here's what I think he shared. I think he shared the gospel of freedom. The gospel that says that you don't have to make yourself right before you come. But the gospel that says all are welcome. The gospel of freedom that broke all of his bondage, that took a man who was captivated by all that is wrong and totally changed him and made him captivated by all that Christ is. I think our responsibility is to ask the question, what makes things go viral? And then just say, is it still possible for the good news of Jesus to go viral in our city? I believe it is you. I think it's our responsibility to share the life-giving, radical love of Jesus and to make it known to friends, family, and all who are close. Let's pray.